0: Right and left, and he drives Mantell into the... Watch out, he's got the bullwhip. There's Shoot Baby right in the oh. end. He caught him in the throat. I told you, Dutch Mantell's not going to stand for this. Well, abuse. and the referee saw it. He said, ring the bell. That's Mantell. He's got bullwhip. He's going to light him up, brother. Woo! He said, ring the bell. It's all over. This. There's Brian charging into the ring. Hey, what in the world is Brian Lee? What kind of business has he got getting this ring? It's Scott Armstrong. Oh, come on in. your winner. On a disqualification. Wait a what? minute. Dutch has got... Hey, Brian, me. let me tell
1: you one thing. You stick your nose where it don't belong. This whip
0: will
1: stop a 2,000-pound bull, and you keep messing with me, I'll whoop 75 pounds right off you, brother.
0: Oh, there you have it, Bob. He's not going to take this abuse. That's what the Dutchman, and Dutchman Till says, and fans will be back right now. Let's take time out for this.
2: Hello and welcome to the two man power trip of wrestling. I am JP John Paz, and this is feature episode number 29. Today brought to you and powered by a blue chew. Stay tuned later on in this very episode and hear more about blue chew with an exclusive offer from chad so that is a blue chew and blue chew.com today of course this episode is all about dirty dutch yes that is a dirty dutch mantel and today we are focusing in on his return to the podcast world as he is returning to mlw radio for his new podcast the university of dutch and i of course will be his co-host going along the ride and taking those road trips with dutch on mlw each and every week coming to you very very soon we have taped a lot of good stuff a lot of great content You know, when it comes from Dutch, I mean, how could it not be great? He's just got story after story after story. You give him one topic, and he is off to the races. Of course, in the first episode, we will be talking a lot about heels. And we kind of go into old school heels, who he thinks is some of the greatest heels of all time. As well as some modern day heels like MJF and what does he think about him and flipping that kid the bird and kind of being a heel 24-7. So we really do get into that. And of course, in this episode, in this interview where we finally, after five years, have finally been able to get on Dirty Dutch. We talk all about not only shifting over back and kind of rebooting the podcast on MLW, but with the new name. We talk about some career highlights, some different things, maybe a little Jerry Lawler, a little Memphis, a little Puerto Rico, a little WWE, a little old school WWF. So a lot of great stuff today from Dirty Dutch. And, of course, if you're interested in hearing more from Dirty Dutch, you can each and every week on the MLW Network on mlwradio.com coming up very very soon and of course tmpt and the tmpt empire is doing so many things not only on our tmpt empire platform through podomatic and through our various means but also all over the place including rick bassman's talking tough Over on Podcast One, and of course, the franchise, Shane Douglas, a Triple Threat Podcast, on the Russo's brand. And then, of course, our own flagship show, TMPT of Wrestling. It's going to be, obviously, a featured episode here, but the flagship show will, of course, have our interview series where we're interviewing some great guests and a little bit more lengthy interviews and some great stuff. And we've got some great, rare interviews coming at you. As far as that is concerned, very, very soon. And we also have some, maybe perhaps, new shows coming down the pipeline. So stay tuned for that. And uh, not only new shows, maybe some different type of feature shows that we haven't really had on before. So really, you know, sit back, relax, and enjoy the TMPT Empire and see what we've got coming, what we've got coming up for sure. And, of course, today, talking to the man himself, Dirty Dutch. Mantel.
0: Around, and there's nothing I can do about it now I've got a wild and restless spirit I've got my price through every I've seen the fire of a woman's storm Turn her heart of gold and steel I've got the song of the voice inside me Set to the rhythm of You're the Joining
2: moon. us on the line right now is a former, a five-time AWA, a Southern, a world heavyweight champion. You may know him as Uncle Uncle Zebakaya, Zeb Coulter,
1: Dirty Dutch, but he is Dutch Mantel. Mister Mantel, welcome
2: to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
1: Well, I mean, I've never been on the show before, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm glad to be talking to you.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. First time on the show. We've tried to get you on forever, but kind of coincidentally. We're recording a podcast with you. It's going to be the University of Dutch. It's going to be on MLW, so it's interesting. Really, the first time on our show is really to promote your show. So what's going on with the University <laughs> of Dutch?
1: Well, uh, on my first episode, I try to fill people in what happened to the last time that I went around. I was I was calling it then Down and Dirty with Dutch, and I had a legal hassle with this guy in Seattle, that said he had the, the rights to the Down and Dirty uh, name, the title. And, of course, I was Down and Dirty with Dutch, and it doesn't even match what he had. But he was threatening something to sue me and sue MLW, and it's not not even worth that. And, and the truth be known, Down and Dirty is a common term. It's almost like we the people. You cannot trademark our license, you know, Common phrases in 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 the American language, but so I just let it go. I, I laid off podcast for a while. I'm glad I did <clears throat> because there's 7.5 million people in the world and there's 7.2 billion podcasts in the world. <laughs> but and it's like everything else. Some podcasts are good. Some podcasts are are, are not so good. And it's according to the uh, to the guy doing it, of course, and how much you enjoy listening to him. And I hope everybody. Find us on MLW, and it's the University of Dutch. No student loans accepted. You don't need anything. And at the end of the semester, uh, I, I award diplomas. So where else are you going to get a wrestling diploma other than the University of Dutch is the only place to get it.
2: I love that. I love that idea, and I'm glad to be kind of along for the ride. I mean, absolute legend in the business. You have so many great stories. You got so much good stuff kind of coming down the pike. What can we kind of look forward to you talking about on the show, or what can you know? What are we going to be talking about on the show? Because it's all up to you.
1: You're driving the car. Well, hey, listen. It's like this: we get in the car and we're going to make a wrestling trip by car and say we're going from. Hell, we're going from Tampa to Miami. Are we going from? Charlotte, North Carolina, to Greenville, South Carolina. We're, we're making a we're making a, a trip. You know, we're gonna go to wrestle. We're gonna go to work in a town a couple hundred miles away. Or are we leaving Nashville? And we're going to Memphis. And some of this conversation is just basically what. It's almost like uh, who does that show? Singing in cars. What is that you know, for the celebrities? They sing while they're driving down the road in a car. That's oh,
2: it's James Corden or whatever that guy's yeah. name is. Yeah. What is yeah. that? What is
1: that called? I can't even remember the name of it,
2: but it's, it's the same
1: it, thing. It's just like yeah, me and yeah. you are going down the road, and you ask me a question. Hey, what happened What happened in this territory back in such and such a day? And and then I'll tell you what I know about it. And, of course, some of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, of course, one of the major things that I've, I've been associated with since 1988 was the death of Bruiser Brody. And we will cover that in one of the upcoming episodes. It's not a fascinating story. It's a tragic story. And uh, I I did the show last year, Dark Side of the Ring, where we covered the Bruiser Brody death and the the aftermath of that. And I'd like to announce here on your show, uh, John, Mm -hmm. that I will not be doing Dark Side of the Ring this year. I won't be doing this, this series. And you may ask, pray tell, Dutch, what happened? Yeah, well, well, it's I... not like which Chris Jericho is going to do it. That, that's what he's oh. doing. But the reason is I wasn't replaced. Uh, it, it's a really... Uh, it's a governmental thing. Because one of the... It's like PBS in Canada. They kind of took over part of the sponsorship of the show. And Vice is located... I think it's located in uh, Toronto, I think. So it was like they, they threw in and and they... You know, finance part of the show, but as one of the rules, governmental rules, is that anybody who works on the show in any type of production capacity, writer or, say, a narrator like I did, or cameraman, or, you know, production crew putting all this stuff together, has to be Canadian. So since I wasn't Canadian, therefore, I was disqualified. So I miss it. Because I really enjoyed uh, working with those guys, uh, Evan Hosley great guy. He, you know, I'll, I'll tell the story. He was a, he was a he's the you know the think tank behind uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Great guy, huge huge wrestling fan. So. So I won't be doing it this year, but my heart's with them, and I wish them well. And, and when it comes on, I want to encourage everybody to watch it because those guys can take a regular story, and they really, really they put their heart and soul in it, and uh, they do a good job. Because I thought last year's uh, episodes were great. I mean, even uh, even when you hit some of the slogans it would seem like to me, still, you know, they're talking about wrestling. And one thing about wrestling fans I've always found that they're the most loyal group of fans in the world, because you know football fans are—they're fickle. The team's not winning, I oh, screw them. Blah blah blah. And of course, wrestling fans can be like that too. But when it's kind of even halfway good, they're always with you. And and one thing about wrestling fans—I go to a lot of conventions. So one thing about wrestling fans—everybody's there to have a good time. They're not talking politics, and not talking this, or wanting to fight, or—they're there to, to to talk wrestling. Uh, 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 a hobby that they love, and they love to come and talk to us. And when I go to conventions, it's not to see the other guys because I used to see them every night for like 25 years. I, I come to actually talk to the fans because the fans, to me, I already know the stories of most of the guys, but the fans, they have some some fantastic stories they tell you, and and uh, it's very interesting to sit back and talk to a fan. And they say, oh, man, I I used to watch you in Lawnham, Memphis, years ago, and I was only like... I'm not you know i'm I'm dating myself now. I was only like ten years old, and it made me a fan and you know i've I've always stayed with it but as you can tell i have i have love for wrestling. you have a love for wrestling, and anybody's going to listen to this podcast. I hope they have a love for wrestling too and uh and then again if you're listening to the show and you happen to think of a question, hey, just email me at dirtydutchmantel at uh gmail dot com or you can go to my website, dirtydutchmantel.com, and ask me a question there. And I, I like to talk to fans and answer questions. So that's... And I started years and years ago, and I have all these old stories. And I tell people, when I first started in the business, I used to get with these old timers. And if, you know, they liked, they liked the young guys because, first of all, they just ribbed you to death and beat the crap out of you. but But they didn't really do it seriously. They were... They were, like, playing with you because if they didn't like you, they wouldn't have anything to do with you. So I would ride with them to a town, say it was like, I don't know, 150 miles away, and they would drive down. But on the way back, especially in the summertime, they would stop at the first 7-Eleven or convenience store or mapco or whatever, and they'd get them a six-pack of beer. And then my butt would go behind the wheel, and I would drive them back. Well, these guys told these fantastic stories of what happened out in Texas and what happened in Japan and what happened up in Boston one time or Detroit or Chicago. And you can kind of say that my education kind of started like at 11 o'clock at night. That was my formal education and indoctrination into the professional wrestling business. And some of those stories I hope I can remember most of them because some of them are really, really good, and I'm going to tell them as many as I can remember on the University of Dutch uh, and with, with you, John. And let me thank you for being, being the co-host and kind of keeping me on track because if I don't have you there directing me, if you're, not, if you're not calling the Washington traffic for me, I'm liable to get start here and end up way over there somewhere, not even related back to what I first started talking about. But I think it's a good show. And I think the people uh, – and you, you know what I found out? too, a lot of people who listen to the podcast, believe it or not, are like truck drivers because they got this long, long trip to make. And I can I can tell you from experience, when you're on those long trips, and we call, we call it – and the truckers call it too – we call it white line fever. And that white line is going to buy a Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. If you can have something that will help you pass that time, they're in love with you so I, but and i used to get a lot of uh communications uh emails from drivers truck drivers and you know even, even cab drivers and but they enjoyed the show they loved wrestling and they and they thanked me for kind of passing the time with them and there's a another thing i want to say is, oh, this is some of these stories that i'm going to tell an old timer told me one time if you don't He said, you know, you're hearing all these stories. And he says, if you don't pass them on, he said, I'm passing them on to you. So if you don't pass them on, then they're going to die. And he was right. Some of these stories, that if, if they're not passed on, they just die on the vine and never to be retrieved or never to be recovered. Pass along as many as I can. Of course, I'm going to talk about the days in Memphis, and I'm going to talk about me and Jerry Lawler, and I'm going to talk my days in Puerto Rico where everybody was trying to kill me, and I was running from all the fans and hiding out. And in Puerto Rico, sometimes I couldn't leave the building before 2:30 in the morning because they waited outside, and they would wait outside so long. that The cops who were there, well, their shift ended at 12; they'd leave, <laughs> but the people wouldn't leave. So when <laughs> we went out there. We were just on our own. I'd say, where are the cops? they said, hell, they said, it's going home. They got off, and they didn't send any more cops. So we were on our own. It's crazy. But see, in Puerto Rico, the people used to think the space program was fake and wrestling was real. <laughs> 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 but, but it was a great business down there. And I've been in this business a long, long time. Uh, I'm also going to tell the story about Eddie Graham and his death in in Tampa. I'm in Tampa right now And uh, a lot of people don't know that story And and a lot of Memphis stories A lot of Puerto Rican stories And I'm going to tell a lot of stories About my latest run in WWE Plus my first run when I managed uh, Bradshaw John Bradshaw And that was uh, I was Uncle up then And then I came back this last time And I think I may have told you this John But if not you know, you would think that most people in wrestling today kind of know the history of it. They don't. Very few of them know the history of it. They know the history of the WWF and up to the point where they got in. But as far as the territorial systems and the way it used to work, they have basically little knowledge of what went on before. So if you don't know what preceded you, uh, you might you might repeat the same mistakes of created before, but uh, but when I walked in that dressing room the first night in WWE, when I walked in the dressing room, I didn't have a job. I walked in to see Triple H, talked to him, did an interview, and I, I'll, I'll expound on this more when I get to it in, in one of the podcasts, but about 75 to 80% of that active dressing room, they didn't know who I was. They would look at me like... Who oh, in the hell invited a cab driver in here? <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, who's that guy? And they may have heard the name, but they knew very little about my career or the career of the, the territorial days, which are long gone. Uh, but it's and guys were coming. They were very nice, though. And when I went out there the first night, and I'll, I'll tell all this story. Uh, I'll tell all these stories later on and, uh, when we get into the meat of it. What story would you like to hear, John? Oh, I definitely
2: want to hear the Donald Trump WrestleMania 29 stuff. I right. that.
1: I'll tell that story. Donald Trump WrestleMania 29, but I won't spoil it here. I'll tell it a little bit later because, you know, everything everything's Trump's fault. So sometimes when you tell something about Trump, that when you mention his name, the you you immediately turn off about half the people. But it's it's a, it's just a story. And it's actually a good story, so. But I'll tell that story, and um, I'll. First of all, I don't know what I'm going to tell. When you start asking me questions, and like I say, I'll jump from here to here to here to here. Of course, I'll tell my Steve Austin story. I got a bunch of stories about him. When I actually, I think I was a second. I think I was the second booker he worked under. His first booker was <clears> then. <throat> excuse me. His first booker was in Dallas, and then uh, I was booking Memphis, and he came in, and I'll uh, story about that. Actually, I wrote all these stories in my. I, I put out two books. One of them is Tales, Tales from Dirt uh, Road, and uh, the first one was uh, the World According to Dutch. And uh, if you go to my website, you can purchase these books, and I. Yeah, you know, but you can purchase them on Amazon. If you purchase them on my website, actually they come autographed, which is what Amazon they won't give you. So check out my my website, dirtydutchmantel. dot com, and you may see something you like. I hope you do, and we'll keep coming back.
0: Hey, let's pause one second here to tell you about the benefits of using Blue Chew and BlueChew.com. Now, you don't need to be a genius to know the benefits of Blue Chew, but for those of us that need to be enlightened, how about this? It's the first ever chewable, so you don't have to sit in that doctor's office and look like an idiot and wait for your turn. It's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and it's fast-acting, and you can use it on a full stomach. And it comes in very discreet packaging, so your nosy ass mailman isn't going to know what you're going to be doing and taking care of business in your bedroom later tonight. Head on over to bluechew.com that's b-l-u-e-chew.com use the promo code franchise and get your first shipment free and pay just five dollars shipping so bluechew.com franchise promo code take advantage of our very special offer so get over to bluechew.com right now because using bluechew outweighs any of the other alternatives that are out there and make your weekend perfect and why don't you go and spice up the finer things of life and I do hope on the show we get to talk about booking, philosophy,
2: psychology, all that kind of stuff, because that is so interesting to me, your your mind, your great mind for wrestling, kind of what you did, what your approach was. And and I definitely, we got to, you know, we got to get into well, the mind of Dutch.
1: Well, I took over the, the booking. It's called creative now. I took over the booking in, in Puerto Rico one time. And their ratings was about – now, when I tell you this, you're going to say, well, hell, that was good. Their rating was about a three. But they had opposition there, which was Carlos Colon. He had about a seven. Which You think a seven, wow, that's, that's huge. Not in Puerto Rico, it's not huge. It's just a seven for wrestling is like the lower end of the scale to what it used to be. So I took over this company. They was doing about a 2.3. And when I took it over, I told the guy who owned it. He was called Victor Quinones. And some people may recognize the name. He worked with Wings, the Wings Group in, in Japan. But I took it over, and it was about a 2.7. But I told him, I said, guys, and I made a map when I said this. I said, a Viagra commercial will get a 2.5. <laughs> and, and they kind of got hot. I said, no, really, seriously. I don't know what y'all been doing. So the guy who was looking at the time said, well, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing with these two guys. I said, well, forget it. We're writing that off. No, you don't understand. This is what we're doing. I said, no, you don't understand. Because is any of this drawing? They said, well, no. I said, therefore, you answered you answered yourself. If it's not drawing, dump it. We're starting new. I didn't bring one soul in. I didn't send send one soul out. And three months later, we sold out the stadium because I, I, I built the story and I made it. I made it interesting. I had a lot of kids, and it, it, nothing was embarrassing. Nothing was like, I don't know why they did that. That's stupid. Because one of my rules about booking was take your time, read your people, read your fans, because a lot of a, a, a lot of great feuds and angles start organically because I used to send a guy in the ring. I would say, all right, show me what you got. And I'd give him a little bit of a finish and I'd beat the guy. But I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking at him getting beat. Cause I can always rebuild somebody. I was looking at, here's a nobody going out there in front of these people. They don't know him from Adam's house cat. I want to see what kind of reaction he gets right off the bat. And if he gets a reaction That's good Because now I know if I can do something with him He'll get a bigger reaction And a bigger reaction And a bigger reaction And the way I wrote Puerto Rican wrestling was Seriously I would sit around and just make stuff up I mean Eddie Gilbert was down there with me And that's another thing we're going to talk about Eddie Gilbert died in Puerto Rico And -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll tell that whole story and and that's a sad story too. I don't think anybody's heard this story about <clears throat> But I'll tell it on the University of Dutch. This is the only place you can hear stories like this. So, but uh I I I got Puerto Rico up and I'll get more in detail with it. But we peaked it off, my highest rating in Puerto Rico. And you're gonna when I tell you this, you're gonna say, Shut the F up. You're full of crap. I did an eighteen point one rating with a sixty five share. So you're hey, thinking that you're thinking that, aren't you? I was, I was, I was you just about to say. You did do eighteen yeah. one. Oh yeah, a lot of times I would do a twelve thirteen average almost because the show was just a. It was just a. It was probably. The golden age of Puerto Rican wrestling, and those ratings were equal to the ratings when I went down there the first time, because wrestling was brand new then. You know, I mean, people would watch it because it just it just fascinated them. But now, of course, you know, with the with the advent of WWE and everybody knows everything, and but see, they can know everything, but if you 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 know, movies are not real either but they tell some of them you tell such a great story in these movies or they do that you love the story and i told these stories i told i told these stories in puerto rico and i never ended a story i always left it open to where i could always go back into it you know you've heard the you've heard the saying well uh, they're going to do this on the blow-off well the blow-off usually kills one of the participants I never would kill I didn't have enough talent to kill. I couldn't afford to kill anybody. I only had fourteen guys, at the most sixteen. So if I if I hurt one to where he couldn't he couldn't go, hell that's taking one sixteenth of my talent roster and making him useless. Which makes sense if you really think about it. I kept everybody alive, I kept everybody in something. And and the shows weren't one hour shows. It was. I had two hours on Saturday, and two hours on Sunday. I had four hours a week of original TV, and I didn't do it all with wrestling. I did with you know I I I would have some skits that a couple of guys would do. They'd have a I would give them a little show. It was it was a show inside a show, and they would they would tell their story and like in puerto rico they have these gossip shows you'd have to be you'd have to know the culture but they love to gossip so they have these shows on tv and the guy comes out and he tells everybody on the island except he doesn't use their real names but he describes them so adequately that you know exactly who he's talking about if he said their name they could get sued he doesn't say their name and it's the same way i did a couple uh, a couple of my uh, skits in puerto rico and I, and I do believe people watch wrestling. Not only see great wrestling, they watch it to be entertained. Because I've I've seen some places I've been, they want to get so down and, I, I'm using down and dirty, they want to just beat the crap out of people thinking it gets heat. I didn't think it got heat, to tell you the truth. I think if, if somebody's, if I was a fan watching it and the guy goes around and, he, and he's a good guy and he keeps getting the shit beat out of it, I'd say, well, hell I don't have any sympathy for him. <laughs> I think he's stupid, so I'm not going to get behind him. But sometimes you you just got to listen to those people. It's like anything else. You've got to listen to your fans, know your audience, and give them what they want, and they'll, they will reward you in the end.
2: absolutely love it. And your booking, very legendary over there. The number is very legendary. You've been in and you know around wrestling for a very a long time So we have so many great stories to cover So many good stuff And definitely I wanted to mention this too Talk a little bit about Jack Swagger And what was kind of to come with him His big push And kind of what happened with Zeb Coulter I mean definitely want to get into that stuff as well
1: Well we'll get into that uh, I was only there on my last run And I'll get into this too I had two almost two years there And boy we were running hard I was all over the place. Went to India. Went to I went to Europe four four times or five times maybe. Went to Mexico. Of course, you went to Canada. And, you know, you you go to all these places. And what made it surreal for me was here I am. I was a guy who went to work at uh, I was uh, sixty four years old. You know, there's no need. You know, I'm not hiding my age. Hell, I'm old as hell. Older than water. Hmm. But I went to work in a young man's game. I went to work and on the road at age sixty-four, because they told me they wanted somebody with Jack, and they just wanted me for TV. I said, "Hey, put me on the road." They said, "You want to go on the road?" I said, "Yeah, put me out there." So they put me out there, and of yeah, course Jack went. I went. So, and I'd ride him down the road with Jack. I have a lot of respect for that man. Brilliant guy, and. But Jack was... Sometimes when you... He, got, he went to... I think he went to NXT. They called it... I don't know what they was calling it then. But he was in developmental for a long time. And I think... Uh, Jack sometimes... He was uh, a little hesitant to speak up. And if you're hesitant to speak up... I mean, they'll just go and do what they want to with you. But they finally saw that Jack needed a... Needed a mouthpiece. So... And the day I was hired, I hired in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was living there then. And I went down there at 3.30. I met Triple H at 4.30. I did an interview at 5.30. Vince saw it at 6.30. I was hired at 6.32, and I was on Raw Live that night, It's a Monday, that night at 7.30. So in four hours, I went down there, did an interview, auditioned. Talked to Vince, talked to Triple H, and I was on TV. And we were off and running. And that has never, ever happened to my knowledge before. So, and I'm, I have a lot of respect respect for WWE. And if you really think about the amount of work that they put out and the content they put out and the effort they put out, even to put on a roll and all the pay-per-views, if you really think about it, it's a massive, massive Undertaking. Of course, I have a, another reason to like Vince because he started the XFL. <clears throat> because I was telling somebody, I said, "Hey, oh, the Super Bowl happened now, and then the college playoff happened. And of course, my team lost. Clemson lost. But, but now here it is February. Now, what am I going to do to September? <laughs> I, I'm not going to sit back and watch that bullshit basketball. I mean, basketball or baseball. Damn sure not soccer. What am I going? To, I'm not a car racing fan. What am I going to do? And then Vince, he had the answer, and he had it before, but he got screwed up. But now he's revamped as the XFL, and now I can sit there and I can enjoy. It's actually very good football. Have you watched it?
2: Yes, yes, very entertaining. Are Pretty, you a football very fan? Yes.
1: Yep. Well it's wide open, it's all offense. It's what people want. And I like their scoring systems, and I like their kickoffs and their extra points because that's different. Now people kind of, they know the rules. And now you can sit back. Of course, I don't really have a team yet. Right? And what I find fascinating is Vince owns every team. <laughs> or or yep. else you're going to see that. But, you yeah, I, I know, I have a lot of knowledge, a lot of stories. And I'm, uh, I'm asking everyone, if you want to hear some good bull crap, because John puts up with it, he's going to put up with it week after week. So, but good stories, and we're going to we're going to tackle some things that aren't usually tackled on podcasts. Like one thing I was thinking the other day: how did wrestlers years ago? How did they get paid? Did you know? You know, John? No,
2: that is one of my uh, my topics for you. That I uh, I took a note down. I, I definitely want to talk about that for sure.
1: Well, it's uh. Well, one thing about it, we got paid weekly, sometimes very weekly. <laughs> that's a <an, laughs> that's, that's joke. Yeah. But see, a lot of people don't know this, and they've tried to explain it to me, and uh, and I will I will go into the the relationships between talent and promoter, and sometimes it wasn't very good, and it wasn't it wasn't even good to be around it because a lot of antagonistic uh comments were made and a lot of threats and sometimes it actually boiled over into actual physical fights so but that's what you were dealing with at the time and and when we get to that on the podcast I'll tell you exactly why this all happened anything else you want to know john
2: i think everything else we will cover <laughs> on the podcast is going to be a lot a lot of stuff uh, to cover for sure, but we will get to it each and every week on the MLW Podcast Network, mlw dot com. Of course, we're talking about the University of Dutch. Dutch is bringing back rebooting the podcast. It's going to be some awesome stuff. So Dutch, please just give me uh, all those plugs again. Website, Twitter, whatever. Well,
1: the else website you got. is in, in, it, and fans. When you go to the website, it's still a work in progress. I've been trying to put this website together for like a year or something. I mean, I told you, John, the moon landing was easier than putting this damn website together because <laughs> I got kind of thrown on my own, and I'm not really uh, computer literate. But it's at dirtydutchmantel.com, and I usually try to put a blog up and tell a story uh, on there, and I have a picture of the week, and, you know, I got a lot of stuff to go on there, and uh, I, think, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you want to catch me on Twitter, dirtydmantel on Twitter our Dirty Dutchman One on Twitter and I think it's Dirty Dutchman One on, uh, on Instagram. Which I have to reboot John. Yeah. Because yes. I was on it, then I went off of it. Then one of one of your friends offered to help me and so I'm gonna mm-hmm. take him up on that. So I'm gonna try to get it up to speed and and once I get it up to speed and I start talking I think everybody's gonna enjoy it.
2: Awesome, awesome stuff. And one more time, that is the University of Dutch coming back to the MLW Podcast Network. It's going to be an awesome, awesome podcast. Stay tuned to us and to Dirty Dutch for more details about the release date, but it will be released very, very soon, and it's going to be awesome. So uh, MLW fans and wrestling fans alike, everybody, watch out for Dirty Dutch because Dirty Dutch is coming back with a vengeance.
1: (laughs) Thank you, John, for being with me. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. I'll
0: see you the Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.